It's seven o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? people in it but the first time i remember going to washington dc was third or fourth grade i got home from a roller skating party it wasn't roller disco disco had long died by the time i was a child but i was in third or fourth grade and i got home from a school party and my parents were packing and they said we're going to Washington. We're leaving in the morning. There's a big anti-war rally and we are going to go take part of it. So we went and but some of my parents' friends came over and we we drove down and the I think at that time we still had the Volkswagen bus. There was usually a van that we drove on our long trips for. And it wasn't an extremely long drive. I think it's seven-hour drive or something like that from here to Washington. Anyway, so we marched in the rally, and uh, I've told part of this story before. You know, during the march, some some Nazi skins or a various conglomeration of hateful, coward people that don't like peace and like war, they came through and started attacking protesters, scared the shit out of me. But my parents and the other protesters kept all the children safe. And my dad is a pro- has been a protest medic since the 60s. So he had the, the arm patch on and he helped people out. And 
it wasn't like Charlottesville, which we just passed the, the uh, anniversary of that not too long ago also. But it was violent and it was definitely scary and it definitely stuck with me. That was one day. And I don't know how many people have been there, but a lot of the stuff is in one central area. You know, you can see the Capitol building from the Washington Monument. The Supreme Court is on the other side of the Capitol building. Um, We're on our way to the Vietnam Memorial. And one of the people, one of the friends who was a veteran of Vietnam said that, you know, not everybody thinks of it as an insult, but he thought some people would take our peace patches as an insult to those who died. So we we took off all our peace patches because we were going to pay respects. We didn't want to send the wrong kind of message. And that's that was always one of the things growing up was the whole protest, the war, not the warrior. The, the complexities of war were a strange thing to think about that that young, but I think it was important. I think that experience helped turn me into the annoying political loudmouth that I am today. And since then, I've been to D.C. two or three times on tour with bands and on vacation another handful of times. The last time before now, the last time I was in D.C. was when Amanda and I got engaged. So, yeah, uh, we decided that we were going to go. We ended up staying at the same hotel where we were staying when we got engaged. So I'll just keep it to the the political stuff because this is the political show. Uh, If you want to find out about the greater expanse of the vacation, you know, find me on Facebook. I've I've put up some pictures in there and uh, the Psychosemantic Facebook group. So uh, it, it was founded or established in 2003 but it didn't open until 2016. September 24th, 2016, the National Museum of African American History and Culture was opened. It's part of the Smithsonian Institution. It's on the National Mall. It has almost 40,000 things. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people. One of the first things we heard when we set up the trip was, oh, you better buy your tickets. And man, they were right. We got up the first two days, we got up, we, Amanda, uh, Vice, got up at six o'clock in the morning when tickets went on sale. That's just to guarantee, it's free to get in, but you have to claim them. And neither time, as, as soon as you log on to try to get the tickets, they're gone. And a couple of friends said that they, they tried a couple times, they couldn't get in. First day was a wash. We went to some other wonderful museums. But yeah, 12.30 on a Friday was the magic time. We didn't even have to wait in line. It was beautiful. I think I said that it's beautiful and devastating depending on which floor you're on. So you go in and you go down. You go all the way down. And the very beginning, it's they say it's set up very deliberately to be like this. It's you. You basically start. You start with the slave trade and the the fifteenth to the twenty first centuries. Uh, it's uh, slavery and freedom, the era of segregation and changing America. One of the first things you see is a quote from a long time after the slave trade started, but it was 
The first object which saluted my eyes when I arrived on the coast was a slave ship awaiting its cargo. Oluda Equinado, 1789. There's pieces of, pieces of the slave ships and there's shackles and there's, there's stories uh, read aloud and you work your way through and you work your way up past the baby, the baby shackles and past the photographs and there's it's so it feels kind of empty saying this but it is so fucking intense it's it's just right there the the history of race in america there's been so much rooted racism from the very beginning here in the states and you see the stories you see the relics it makes it more true, I guess. Uh, there was one of the things that I tried to get closer to, but there was a huge crowd around it. There was a statue of Thomas Jefferson and the paradox of liberty in big, bright words by it. And behind him were bricks with either the names of his slaves or the names of his slave children but I repeat myself. There were written works by Frederick Douglass. I read so much Frederick Douglass in college. And Ida B. Wells. And W.E.B. Dubois. And Booker T. Washington. Uh, Booker T. Washington's original Up From Slavery. And Ida B. Wells's Lynch Law in Georgia. You see the stuff from the race riots. And Springfield and Atlanta and St. Louis. And there was a quote from a guy called Roy Young, who I hope is not your relative. In Springfield, Illinois, 1908. And he said, when the fighting got bad, I commenced shooting at Negroes. I guess I poured oil on about 15 or 16 houses and set fire to them. Um, but you know, there's, there's an exhibit on the student nonviolent coordinating committee, uh, student nonviolent coordinating committee or SNCC, you know, they did the freedom rides. They were really important in the civil rights movement in the sixties and there's John Lewis stuff. There was shrapnel from the 16th street Baptist church in Birmingham, Alabama, that got bombed that uh, Vanessa and I spoke about a little bit on the black Klansman episode. There was the original ruling from loving versus Virginia on interracial marriage where, uh, Mildred Jeter and Richard loving African-American woman and a white man got married in DC, but were living in Virginia and that Supreme Court case, the Supreme Court's been a big topic of discussion lately uh, with the Brett Kavanaugh uh, confirmation hearings going on. 2,000 years later. The further up you got, the closer to now you got in history. You know, there's film and television and black exploitation, the Attica protest and public enemy and there's a lot of interactive exhibits there's the lunch counters with videos of the horrible racist future trump voters 
throwing food and screaming and yanking on people, just fucking sitting there. You can take a drive in a car through the Jim Crow South, and you've got to pick where you're going to try to stay and see what happens. See if you can make it from Chicago to visit your family in Birmingham. I don't know why I'm trying to describe it, because it's kind of hard to describe, but it's it's an important museum. And the top floor was a lot less somber and more celebratory. There's music, film, sports, politics, literature, every aspect of American life. They had the, the George Clinton mothership, and... You know, Bad Brains and Fishbone, all the uh, African-American punk rock stuff. Sports, yeah, I I can appreciate it, but I don't... I watch hockey, and I'm in the Midnight <laughs> the midnight Horror Show football, Fantasy Football League, but I haven't watched a game in two years. I haven't, I haven't watched a game since I joined the league. The next day. And, you know, we took our son. We took Danzig. And it was a bit intense for him, but he learned a lot. Today, he was doing some dances that he learned from some instructors on the top floor. If if you go to D.C., last time we went to the Holocaust Museum, we didn't do both. We thought that might be a bit much for a three-year-old. But I think if there's any Trump people in your family that still talk to you or you still talk to, I just don't know how anybody could still be hateful. Or see an enemy in someone that they've oppressed, so, that's been oppressed for so long. Walking through that, walking through those. That was that was the politics of Friday. That that was soaking up some African American history. So Saturday, there was a Trump rally in the National Mall. It wasn't big, like most Trump rallies tend to not be, unless he's there, and then it's a mix mix and match. We couldn't get in uh, to the, the Kavanaugh hearings during the week. And, you know, they all don't give a shit on the weekend. So, yeah, we were, we were walking past the, if you've been to D.C., right by the, the carousel. We saw the, the little stage and more flags than people. So we knew it was a Trump rally. And the, there was a Trump 2020 sign. And the closer you got... There's little pockets of people in camouflage clothes standing around holding signs about being the Oath Keepers and protecting Trump and blah, blah, blah. So I, I thought it should get checked out. And <laughs> so many ponytails. There were so many ponytails. So it, it was all just getting started. Uh, there was maybe 40 40, 50 people, most of them wearing enough military clothes that I hope, well, the, the Oath Keeper people, that I hope that they actually served in the military just so it's not stolen valor. But the, yeah, there were about 50-ish people there, and they announced that as if it by accident, they just ran into Joe Arpaio, former concentration camp sheriff in Arizona, and failed Senate candidate was going to come out and lead everyone in saying the Pledge of Allegiance. 
because that'll own the liberals. They introduced Joe Arpaio. They called him Sheriff Joe, but fuck that guy. So, you know, the missus and I decided to boo as loud as we could. and she treated it like garbage. And that's what she is, the queen of refuse. So bow down to her if you want, bow to her, bow to the queen of slime, the queen of filth, the queen of putrescence. Boo, boo, rubbish, filth, slime, muck, boo, boo, boo. And we got some attention. The very, very brave Oath Keepers came up towards us and some of this i got on camera but i don't know if it showed up anywhere a pack of three of them came up towards me and vice and our son and started doing that really fucking dumb pointing at your eyes and pointing at us but then they started gesturing we were keeping our profanity down because we had our child uh and he was looking at the carousel. So so he started pointing at my son. And I have to admit, I lost my fucking mind. I stopped watching my profanity. And there were cops everywhere making sure that nobody hurt the Nazis. But at the very least, Joe Arpaio would shackle pregnant women who were giving birth and that would torture people and enjoyed it and has said so much racist, horrible shit that Joe Arpaio should be booed wherever he is and then piss on his grave. DC went about its business. The rain started. The fucking douchebag that started Patriot Prayer came out and gave a long speech about how they need to suffer the hate that they get to save America from the liberals but yeah, I just, I stood and I listened and there was a whole lot of, it, it was basically a Trump rally without Trump. If you've seen Fox News or you've checked out his tweets, there's the liberals are trying to destroy America by turning it into a socialist haven for terrorists and getting rid of God. And the best way to fix that is with the massive win that they're going to have in the midterm elections coming up in November. And with prayer, they have to, like Christ, bear the abuse that is spewed upon them for doing God's work. And we are at an impasse. I'm afraid so. I can't compete with you physically, and you're no match for my brains. And I know there can be very big differences in opinion. Shithead Joe Arpaio came out to rock you like a hurricane by Scorpions. And that seemed a bit odd. I think there's, I mean, every other day there's another band filing an injunction against Trump or the Trump campaign saying, stop using my fucking songs, you shithead. And I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about uh scorpions but i'm pretty sure the band who did winds of change and was formed 
in Germany in the 60s might not really be behind the MAGA movement. That's just just me. And then I do know because, uh, well, we'll get to that. But then they also played We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. And I know a little bit more about them. I'm a lot more familiar with D. Snyder. I've heard him talk a lot. Uh, you know, they were poor punk rock metal New York fucking Long Island. Fuck you. We can't eat. We're just going to fucking play music. Fuck authority. I mean, watch the video with what's his face from Animal House. With that one, I took to my powerful hundred follower Twitter Somebody should tell D. Snyder because I don't think these clowns know what the song is about. And he liked it. So I think I was right in that in that case, at least. I don't know why they don't just use Ted Nugent and Kid Rock, Screwdriver, or any of the other people that are totally cool with being attached to racist, homophobic, xenophobic, wealthy douchebag but and there there they stood listening to these songs that weren't for them not catching the irony and now remember this is about 50 people on a saturday in washington dc headlined by joe arpaio and the founder of patriot prayer and they had to get people from washington state oregon Los Angeles, a lot of people came up from the South. So as angry as some of the interactions made me, I I felt a little bit better. I, I'm trying, the optimist in me still hasn't died, but I'm trying not to have false hope because I was certain that as many faults as she had, that Hillary Clinton was going to mop the floor with Trump because... He started his campaign saying Mexicans are rapists, and it went downhill from there. So hopefully this is a representation of what everybody keeps saying, that the base is shrinking. Even if his base is shrinking, people still need to vote. You know, if didn't vote at all was a person, they would be president right now. But it is heartening to see smaller crowds in bigger places. They're they're trying, I don't know. It, it was an experience. And, you know, I walked around, you know, a lot of self-fellation, self-fellating. And I don't know, my ire was up. But uh, other than that, it was a pretty good time in Washington. And then, you know, when the, when the family left and I just got to win lots and lots of staring contests with men in militia shirts, that was, that was a good time. I... I I felt a little bit better or free to express myself without my kid there. And, you know, that's why, even though exposing kids to political discourse is important because a lot of people don't know how to talk about politics. And that leads to just ignoring it or not talking about it like it doesn't affect their lives. But that's why... Amanda and I take turns staying home when we know that a protest has got the chance to get violent. Anyway, 
we had a great time. I had a great time. I got to instigate a little bit. I, I don't come across too many Trump supporters in my day-to-day life. So getting to say you're full of shit to some people was kind of cathartic. And then at the uh, Ronald Reagan airport on the way home, I got to I flipped I got to flip off Ajit Pai in in the airport. Uh, the head of the FCC. I thought it was him and but then I was like, "Okay, am I sure that it's him?" So I said Ajit Pai and he looked at me and I flipped him off. Fuck the FCC. And then I flew home and here we are. So I, yeah, I have no idea how long this was. The museums are, I think, one of the better examples of tax money doing something. There's a lot of history in this country and a whole lot to learn. And it is always changing. So that was Mr. Wilson Goes to Washington. Uh, We will be back with a more regular episode soon. Until next time, fuck the FCC, fuck Trump, don't forget to duck and cover.